stand with me for the reading of God's Word. 1 Thessalonians 3, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, So when we could stand it no longer, Paul says, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. In other words, they tried for a long time to get back to Thessalonica, and they couldn't get there. So he says here, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ. Now here's why we sent him, to strengthen you, to strengthen and to encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by, the, by these trials. Now we talked about trials last week, we're not going to spend any time on it today. He says here, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your, about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Now again, I'll make this point. Last week we talked about the roadblock that Satan sets up, and he's reaffirming that right here we're not going to cover that in this message today verse 6 but timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love he has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you therefore brothers and sisters in all our distress and persecution we were encouraged about you because of our faith because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you may, so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Now, there's a lot he said there, and if you, you know, looking at it just as a general way, you might say, man, that's just a lot of sappiness there. But what you have to understand is that the persecution was real, the suffering was real, and all these people had was Jesus and each other. And they meant something to each other. The early church, their relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ were vital to their very existence. And that's one thing I want us to look at today at how vital these relationships are and why they're important. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this intimate, and uh, amazing, um, transparent letter that we have from the Apostle Paul, like a father to his children, sending it to the people that he loves so much, who he has such great desire for them to grow and to be strong in the Lord and to be with them in person. And yet he finds out how well they're doing, and it brings such encouragement to his heart. So help us to see what we need as a church based on the needs that are being met here. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
Now, one last thing before I get into the message. I failed to mention this. Y'all, because of the storm yesterday, there is some issue going on with, uh, with Cox and our, our Wi-Fi and uh, something's going on there. And Justin and them have been able to determine it's not on the live stream side. It's not on our side. It's somewhere in between. So if you've got family that's texting you right now, screaming and saying, I can't see it, because <laughs> we get that sometimes. And that's good. I'm glad. You've already got it? You already got it. Yeah. It's coming. Um, it, we don't know the quality of what they're getting, and we don't know if, if, if at the end of the service later on that they might be able to see it without interruption. We don't know. So it's not on our end, and um, so just tell everybody be patient with us, and hopefully, you know, by next week it'll be repaired. All right, so JBC, a biblical model, what every church needs. Now, you see in this passage, as I mentioned earlier, this detailed account of Paul's longing and desire to be with these believers and to see them and to look them in the eye and to know and to feel what was going on within them. And, and frankly, he was concerned that the enemy might come and, and distract them and discourage them and, and, um, and keep them from the labors that God had laid upon them uh, to do. But Obviously, he sent Timothy and he found out some amazing things. So I see four things here I want you to see that every church needs. And, and look, what I've been doing in this passage is, I mean in this book, is every time I, I, I prepare the message, I, I do two things. I say, Lord, first of all, what is it saying to me as a leader? What can I as a pastor learn from this? How can I be better? How can I grow? How can I um, emulate what I'm reading here? And secondly, does our church match this? And if so, what areas? And if not, where can we grow and develop? And I'm, I'm just grateful to say that I see some great parallels here. I mean, I know that may sound arrogant, but I see it's not arrogant. It's just reality. I see some parallels between this church in the first century and our church in the 21st century. Now, you, you might say, well, what's so great about that? I'll tell you what's great about that is that over all these centuries, the church has maintained its integrity for the most part. We've not lost what it means to be the church of Lord Jesus Christ. And it's our job, and it's incumbent, incumbent upon me as pastor to make sure I lead us in that area and direction. And boy, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing here. So here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, every church needs leaders that love, pray, and care deeply for us. Every church deserves and should have leaders that love, pray, and deeply care for the flock. And you say, well, duh, I mean, isn't that the case all the time? No, it's not. And when I read this, I see basically the foundation for the spirit in which we as leaders, myself as a pastor, Brother Eric as a worship leader, Brother Cameron as a pastor, and others who are lay leaders, how we, I see, I see the blueprint for, for the spirit in which we should do ministry. And in verse 5, 
Paul says, for this reason, when I could no longer, I could stand it no longer. When COVID hit, we went without meeting for eight weeks. They were the most miserable eight weeks of ministry that I've ever been through in my life. Now, I've had some tough times in the past, but it was tough. And the reminder of how tough it was, was every Sunday when I had to stand before a camera instead of people. And Wednesday night would come, and we couldn't put our arms around our people and go sit at the table and break bread with them and see how their week was going and talk to them about spiritual things and provide times where we can spend time together and counsel and go over some things. It was a miserable eight weeks. And I always thank God for Dr. Fauci outing himself as to the fraud that he was that caused us to start meeting again. And if you want to know about that, find me after church and I'll tell you about the incident that happened that I called everybody and I said, we're meeting on Mother's Day because of the inconsistency that was coming out of that man's mouth. And the reason I say that and use that as an illustration from my life, and I can, I can speak for our other ministers and pastors within our church too, they felt the same way, is because we are called to love God's people. Paul says here that I couldn't stand it any longer. I sent to find out about your faith. He says I, I, we, we had to get together. He cared enough. To be with them. I, listen, I want to say something. I know this is, this is this, i got to be careful how I say this. I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. But you know what one of my greatest disappoints, disappointments in ministry has been? I'm saying it from the other side now. It's this. <clears throat> greatest disappointment in ministry is that as a pastor, you have genuinely loved and cared for people. You have helped them through their difficulties. Now, what I'm not saying is that, th that there are times that circumstances change, God moves people, they find a new place of ministry to go on, what have you. I get that. That's the world we live in, and that happens, and that's okay. And I mean, I have great relationships with people who once used to be a great part of this church and were vital, and they moved away, or they moved on, or they went somewhere else, and we still have good relationships, and they're serving the Lord elsewhere. But what I'm talking about is the people that you pour into, they're part of your church, they're part of the, the church family, they're your brother and sister in Christ, and all of a sudden, one day, they just, they vanish. And then you try to contact them, and they don't want to have anything to do with you. And it's like, it's not just that they quit coming to church, they walked out of your life. And when you really care for people, that hurts, doesn't it? And so Paul was reminding us as a leader how important it is to care for people and to be with them. And in verse 10, he says here, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So every church needs leaders that love, pray, and care deeply. For the flock and the reason i put for us is though i am a shepherd and a leader i'm still part of the church too pastors need pastors too you know and and i'm grateful for the people that care and we we need that 
in every church. That's the foundation. The foundation is we love Jesus. We want you to grow in Jesus' name. We want to be faithful to him. But Jesus is into reaching people. And he loves people. And he cares about people. You know what's one thing that hurts me as a pastor? I'm being very vulnerable. Here's what hurts me. Let me give it to you in this illustration. Years ago one time I called my dad. And I was mad at my brother. And I started to talk to my dad about my brother. And my dad said, stop, hold on. We're not going to have this conversation. I said, why not? And he said, well, first of all, your brother's a grown man. If you got an issue with your brother, you go talk to him, not to me. That's number one. Number two, I'm his father too. What hurts me as a pastor is sometimes when some of you come to me, well, you don't necessarily come to me, but you got an issue with somebody else in the church. You don't like their personality. You don't like the way they talk. You don't like the way they act sometimes. And all of a sudden, it Everything they ever do, they can never do anything right in your eyes because you got an issue with something that they do that irritates you, and then you bring me into it, and you want me to agree with you. I can't agree with you. You know why? And I'll tell you why. Because I've got to love them beyond all of their craziness. Because I love you through your craziness. And you love me. I'll use Brother Larry as an example. Now, Brother Larry wasn't, wasn't coming to talk about anybody in a bad sense. But we had, to, we had to deal with an issue with somebody one time. And this person was giving Brother Larry a, a rough time. And, and rightfully so. And I defended Larry to that person. But then the time came where, where Larry was in the office and he was like, you know, and, and I said, Larry, you know, I agree, but I'm his pastor too. And he goes, oh, you went all pastoral on me. <laughs> and he goes, you're right, you're right. And I said, well, when it comes to that, I know that. And uh, that's important. And so leaders, we love our people. If, if not, we're a hireling. And I'm if there's one thing I think that COVID helped us to learn is how much we love our people. And the pastors who are in it for selfish ambition and their own gain, they have to answer to God. I have to answer for what I do. And I, but I think that people are being drawn more and more and more to churches where the leaders love Pray and care for the people deeply. Deeply. Listen, one other thing I'll tell you about this, and that is, it's not your fault because you're not called to be a pastor. But you will never, ever know what a pastor takes with him home every day you'll never know the pain that he internalizes for you 
when you're going through pain. You'll never know it. You'll never know the burden that keeps him up at night praying. That's why Paul said, we pray for you night and day because sometimes you can't sleep at night because as a pastor, you have deep pain for people who are rebelling against God. You're not mad at them. You love them and you want them to come back home to God and you want them to escape the devil's uh, uh, tentacles and you want them to have freedom in Jesus and it burdens your heart. And the only way you can have that is if you care and love and you pray for your people. So you deserve leaders that care for you that way. Number two, every church needs mature servants who strengthen and encourage us. We need mature servants, servants who strengthen and encourage us. Verse two says here about Timothy, it says, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Timothy, the word that is used here for servant is the word dekanos, deacon. It's the spirit of servanthood. Timothy didn't go with some grandiose title, look at me, I'm this special person. Timothy went as a mature, growing Young pastor, mature, growing minister of the gospel. And Paul says he's our brother, he's one of us, and he's our co-worker in God's service. We're in God's service to serve God. Every church needs mature servants who strengthen and encourage us. I don't know about you, but when I'm under the care and the leadership of a mature Christian, I'm encouraged and strengthened. What about you? I'm encouraged and strengthened. So when I need advice or encouragement or, or, or you know, uh, maybe sometimes I go to some folks just, just as a sounding, not so much a sounding board, but to say, look, here's what I'm praying about. Here's what I'm thinking. I don't necessarily have a clear answer from God, but, but he, here's what I believe, taking all my life experience, taking what the Scripture says, taking where I believe the Holy Spirit is leading me, and I want to bounce it off of you, off of godly counsel. And you go and they give you some counsel and they reaffirm maybe what you were thinking or they might help you readjust something. And what it does, it causes you to grow. It causes you to be strong. You realize that someone else is, is doing just like you're doing, struggling in the faith and growing too. And we need mature servants who strengthen and encourage us. Look, <clears throat> Every church is going to have, should have, different levels of maturity in it. I had one pastor tell me years ago, he said, you know, he said this to me. He said, my church is not like your church. Our church is more mature. And I thought he was saying he had more older people. And, 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 and that's kind of was the case, too. But he was going, no, no, no. He goes, I don't want a church like what you have. I said, really? He said, No. I want a church when I preach that these people are understanding it, these people are getting it, these people are following what I'm saying, and you can only have that when you have a mature congregation. And I just thought that was the most, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Let me just say it like that. I said, what? And that pastor today is not in ministry, and the church that he led 
dried up. See, I want to have in our church spiritual babies who are new to the faith, who get their daddy's cell phone when they come to church. I was told this today by a daddy that his child got his cell phone and is using his cell phone for the Bible today and ran to Sunday school when they got here because I want to go to Sunday school. We had somebody years ago that complained about all these kids running to go to children's church. I'm like, well, first of all, we're helping our children's church leaders so some energy can be expended between here and there. That's just a practical thing. And then I thought about it from a spiritual standpoint. Would it be that we ran to go to church? Just a thought. So, yeah got to have all levels we got to have people who are teenagers in the faith you know and then we got to have people who are are, you know young adults in the faith and then mature in the faith and then close to heaven in the faith (laughs) it takes us all but a church can't grow without some very serious committed mature servants like timothy who can step up when needed number three every church needs members and i use the word uh, members just to so i didn't make it all wordy but we need brothers and sisters who encourage leaders by growing in the faith so we need we need members we need we need brothers and sisters who encourage their leaders by growing in the faith look at verses six through nine you see it right here where timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love he's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you therefore brothers and sisters in all of our distress and persecution we are encouraged about you because of your faith and then he says here verse 8 i love it for now we really live since you are standing firm in the lord man now more now we can live We're hearing about your faith. I mean, isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? And it brought great encouragement to people like Paul, to these apostles who were leading and starting these new works and, you know, helping the infant church grow. And he was saying to them, when Timothy brought word about how you're living and how you're being the church to your community, Man, it encouraged us. Not only did it encourage us, but man, he put a pep in our step, coach. It got us going. Now we can really live. But Paul is saying, because we know that our work is not in vain, and that all that time we spent there in that city, and all we did pouring into you, now it's not necessarily being reciprocated back to us, but it's being reciprocated in your faithfulness to the gospel. And Jesus is getting the glory. So listen, notice the point that I make here. Members who encourage leaders. Here's how you encourage your leaders. By growing in the faith. By growing in the faith. The greatest gift that any leader can get is to see God's people take what they're receiving 
and applying it to their life and growing. I mean, what we saw today with our youth band leading. And you might say, well, they're teenagers and, you know, uh, you know well, they, don't, they don't always live right. Neither do you. They're, they're growing in the faith. They're not perfect all the time. Well, I saw what one of them posted on social media and I saw what you posted on social media. And you saw what I posted one time. <laughs> and it ain't good all the time. So we, we have to grow. And it encourages us. Encourages us. Look, I know the preaching of the Word is important. But I'll tell you, I could have left after the worship service today and been on a high for the next six days. Because in my mind and in my spirit, I'm looking at the entirety of these young people's lives. and how they got to where they are today. And man, that's encouraging, isn't it? Gosh, it's encouraging to see you grow. Listen, it was encouraging to see a man like Bill Owens with the health problems he had the last couple of years. Right, Miss Carrie? Still love the Word of God. And when he'd come to church, he'd meet me at the back door. And I can't tell you how many times, and probably I could probably count on one hand how many times he didn't cry. But when he started talking about God's Word and started talking about Jesus and started talking about what he had learned today or what, what something he was trying to teach me or, or what have you. and how to, So here's a man in his 90s still enjoying the very basic concept of worship and going to church and being with the believers and being the church. And man, seeing him, and then he got baptized, remember? Not long ago. Seeing him say, man, I want to go deeper with God at his age. Amen. Is encouraging. It makes me want to keep living. And then one last thing I see in this passage is every church needs members or brothers and sisters who are overflowing. Notice I highlighted the word overflowing. In love, strength, and holy living, verses 11 through 13. Notice the result of growth. The result of growth. You might have all the talent in the world to preach. You might have all the talent in the world to sing. Or to play an instrument. But if you're not overflowing in love, if you're not overflowing in strength, if you're not overflowing in right living, what does it profit you? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about that in the context of love. Verses 11 through 13 says, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. Notice, for each other. Remember I just brought up the person that irritates you and aggravates you? Right? My brother in life, and I love him dearly, my brother could walk in a room and his face said, I need to be slapped today. <laughs> I know that's bad for me to say that. It's just a relationship I had with him growing up. He was my brother. But my father and my mother taught us that that's not the right, yeah, he might have that scowl on his face that says, I need to be slapped. You might come to church and see somebody and go, man, if I were in another place and another time and another world, I'd slap that dude. 
<laughs> but that's your flesh talking, right? You're not supposed to live that way. No. So the people sometimes that do that to you, that irritate you, you are to be overflowing and growing in love toward them. He says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So Paul's saying, hey, we're an example. Look at that. May he strengthen your heart so that you may be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Every church needs a group of people, members, brothers and sisters, who are overflowing in love and in strength and in holy living. You're overflowing with it. You've heard me say this many times, but it bears repeating for those who haven't heard it. When I first started going to a Bible preaching church when I was 17 years old, that church made an impact on me. Because I saw an environment of love that was foreign to me. That I couldn't quite grasp. And it, and it, became, um, it became something I wanted. It's like the Bible says, like salt and light. So it created a saltiness. <laughs> It was like I ate potato chips and I needed some water really bad. It created a thirst, I should say, within me to search for that love that they had. And it opened up my mind to question what I believe and what they had that I didn't have. And it was all because of this deep, amazing love that was overflowing, that was genuine, and the still it's still there to this day. As a matter of fact, I can tell you this. When Brother Larry and, and uh, Justin and I went back to my home church, I hadn't been to, to a church service there in almost 20 years, and we went back after the hurricane. I'm telling you, folks, it's hard to explain it, and I know it's not the building that encases that love, but it's the people's hearts. But that same spirit overflowing in love is still there in those people. And I got there and I started crying. I started, I was just overwhelmed with that, with, with spiritual joy that this place has still got it. It's still real. And people, it's amazing. And they got a pastor that loves them tremendously and cares for them and, and is pouring into their lives. And he's one of those that got saved when I got saved back then. That's his church. The power of overflowing love. Now, don't misunderstand here. Notice, overflowing love, strength, and holy living. Some people who don't have much, of a, a, much depth in their biblical understanding thinks that, okay, so when you have biblical love, you accept everything. No. 1 Corinthians 13 teaches that love does not rejoice in sinful behavior. It does not rejoice in iniquity. So do not mistake our love when opposing sinful behavior as unloving. It's actually deeply loving. It's the same way with your children, right? 
It's like the story of the, of the little boy and his father. And the little boy kept trying to stick his hand in the fire, in the fireplace, and d- dad would pull his hand back, and he kept trying to stick his hand in the, in the fireplace, and his dad would pull his hand back, and finally his dad slapped his hand and said, don't do it. And the little boy didn't understand, and so the daddy said, son, here's why. And the dad rolled up his shirt, and he stuck his hand and arm in there, and he let his hand start burning. And the pain and the anguish, and he saw the blisters developing on his hand, and he said, son, that's why. That's why you can't stick your hand in there. If that father didn't love his son, he would have let his son stick his hand in the fire. Right? And so, when you love people, you love them intrinsically. You love them for who they are. You love them because they've been created in the image of God. You love them because God loves them. But you don't have to accept their sinful lifestyle. But you can still love them. Because you're overflowing with holy living. So every church needs leaders that pray, love, it needs mature servants, it needs members who encourage the leaders by living right, and it needs people who are overflowing deeply in love with the Lord and with each other. Look, the test of biblical love among brethren, among brothers and sisters in Christ, is not how well you get along when everything's going well. The test is, can you have a major disagreement? Can you have a serious issue with a brother or sister in Christ and yet not fracture your relationship? But can you have that disagreement in some kind of way and work through it and apply the biblical principles of love. The Bible says in 1 Peter that love covers a multitude of sins. So rather than expose my brother and sister in Christ and try to embarrass them, or rather than try to uh, bring it up and constantly correct them in everything, because you know what? God's been trying to deal with them in that area. What makes you think you're going to fix them? So instead of doing that, what I do is I just pour out the covering of love over them and i don't they don't need me to confront them on everything see the problem i think among christians is that we fight on too many hills that are not worth dying on well so and so said something they offended me okay what are you going to do about it Well, I think I need to go discuss that with them. I think I need to go and confront them. Well, just think about that for a moment. Really? Should you? Is it worth that? What what do you think you will accomplish by confronting them about that? What's the purpose? Well, I want them to know they hurt me. Well, then they'll know it if you go tell them. But is it going to solve it? Most of the time it won't. And you know what? My advice to a lot of people is love them in Jesus. Let it go. Overflow with love. And cover them. And forget it. 
I've had people tell me this over the years. I've been here long enough. They'll say, Pastor, remember when I did such and such, and boy, you forgave me, and I'm like, nope, I don't. And they're like, you don't? You don't. And, I said, well, I said, and I'm like, well, why do we want to remember that anyway? And they're like, yeah, but there's a point here. And I'm like, okay, well, well remind me of the circumstance. When did it happen? And, and they're going on. And I tell you, nine times out of ten, if that situation happens, I'm like, yeah, I remember the, the circumstance you're talking about, but I don't remember that you hurt me, no, or that you did anything to upset me. I don't remember that. Well, I do. I said, well, you need to forget that. <laughs> Short accounts, let it go. This is what every church needs. And I'll advocate this. If our churches, if our church would continue to grow in this, and we have a lot of this going on in a good way. But man, if we start overflowing in this, those Corys, the 17-year-old Corey Sheremy boys that'll come to church, or these young teenage girls, or these families that are looking for, for something that they're not sure what, but they're looking for a church home, and they come and they find something authentic, and they see that powerful love going on, I'm telling you, folks, I'm just telling you, it's an attractant. And some folks are going to say, I want, I want in on that. Now, I'll tell you, it'll scare some people. That's not what I'm used to. But deep in their heart, a lot of them know that's what they need. That's a biblical model. And that's what every church needs. Let's commit ourselves to these principles. And let's commit ourselves to being the church that God wants us to be. Not only to the lost, but to each other. To each other. I love you deeply, and I know I have disappointed some of you over the years. And I, that'll probably happen again. But thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me through it. Thank you for loving me through all my growth spurts and my downtimes. Thank you for staying with the stuff. But know this, I'm staying with you too. Let's stand together. So, Heavenly Father, as we bow, we are grateful that we have this example in Scripture. These are the things we need. Oh, yeah. Nice toys would be great, buildings and the best of everything. But it's not what we need. What we need is what we read today what a true church is all about. It's what's sustaining the church in Ukraine right now. Through all the atrocities and the war crimes that are being committed against them. Help us, Father, to be that person, that Timothy, to be that member that lives in such a way that the leadership just wants to just keep going for Christ because they're so encouraged by it. Help me to be that pastor. Help us to be those pastors in this church and leaders that can help others. And that we would pray day and night 
and love our people the way you loved us and the way you love us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. As our youth band leads us in this song of invitation, this song of commitment, how God has spoken to you today is the way you need to respond. And it might be for you, I need to step my game up. I need to start overflowing in these areas. I need to be an encourager. This is what I need to be. You let God lead you in that direction. Brother, lead us, all right? You come as God leads you.